From deep inside the vaults of the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music, here is Tom Holmes, your curator and guide to vintage electronic music and audio experimentation. This episode, Drum Machines, A Recorded History, Part 1, Analog Drum Machines. Now, I started telling you about Argentina. I don't know where you want me to go back to that, but I'll tell you how we stopped it. We said, number one, anybody kidnapped, go ahead and kill them because we're not going to laugh Welcome to the Archive of Electronic Music. This is Tom Holmes. As Negative Land plays in the background, I want to introduce this episode, which will be the first in what I think is a series about drum machines. In this episode, I will feature vintage recordings of analog drum machines, such as those made by Chamberlain, Willitzer, and Roland from the 1950s to the 1980s. In another episode of this series, I plan to explore digital drum machines, often with digital drum samples, such as those produced by Lynn and Oberheim in the 1980s. And as it turns out, as I look through the archives, I also have many examples of recordings of electronic drumming instruments, the kind one physically plays, like drums. So perhaps that will be a future podcast as well. But for now, what is the definition of a drum machine? This varies. It is not a sequencer for melodies and tones, nor a way to specify a short series of notes that could be repeated automatically which is how the Rhythmicon worked, an invention in 1932 by Leon Theremin for composer Henry Cowell. Although the Rhythmicon is often thought of as the first drum machine, it was really not intended to provide drumming effects for music. For my purposes, a drum machine is an instrument that reproduces preset but modifiable patterns of rhythms and percussion sounds. There are analog drum machines, using circuits and oscillators to mimic drums, and analog sampling devices, which used pre-recorded analog samples of actual drum performances. Some of these analog drum machines were enhanced with digital programmability by the end of the 1970s. We will explore analog drum machines in this part and digital sampling drum machines with programmability in a subsequent part. When it comes to writing about the history of music technology, much can be done by tracking the timelines of inventions and products as they became available over time. Knowing the timeline will tell you which products were invented, when they became available for use, and how they worked. But that is only a small part of the story. What the timeline can't tell you is which products made an impression on the musicians of the time and slipped into the public consciousness through performances and recordings. After all, a patent is just a patent until the associated products are brought to market. Such was the case in 1978 when Mattel released the Bee Gees Rhythm Machine, a simple drum machine toy 
with four rhythm sounds and a monophonic keyboard. I own one of these, and here is what it sounds like. So there is, in fact, a patent that was submitted in 1979 for this Bee Gees rhythm machine. Uh, it was approved in 1980, and this was a toy. Yet, listen to Kraftwerk's pocket calculator from 1981 for the sound of this simple little instrument. Their distinctive use of this rhythm-making toy made an immediate impact on music of the time. Let's listen to Pocket Calculator, in which the repeating melody line is played on the rhythm machine as well as some beats.
So, while the timeline is indeed important, I place a lot of value on contemporaneous evidence for the impact of a technology in readings from the press, but primarily in the way that such inventions were used in making music on recordings. Hence, the archive of electronic music, a library of evidence for electronic instruments in the context of the music for which they were used. A challenge I've faced in finding recordings of drum machines is that the earliest units produced in the 1950s and 1960s were essentially for use at home by amateur musicians. Professional musicians, such as jazz artists, viewed drum machines as gimmicks and didn't really need them anyway. You won't find a recording by organ players Earl Grant or Jimmy Smith that contain any evidence of a drum machine, so far as I know. It is perhaps no coincidence that the original drum machines were sold to accompany the home electronic organs made by the likes of Wurlitzer, Lowry, and Thomas. Drum machines had their initial success not as standalone boxes, but as built-in options found on home electronic organs. Wurlitzer, Thomas, and Leslie released various organ models equipped with their own rhythm machines. Even Hammond got into the act before going out of the tone wheel organ business in 1975. One of the very last tone wheel organs they made, the model T402, included a built-in drum machine. Organ makers such as Wurlitzer also had some success selling standalone drum machines for use with any keyboard. We'll hear examples of each, the standalone devices and the built-in devices. I am organizing these recordings by the devices so you can hear how different brands of drum machines sounded. One thing they all have in common are preset rhythms with Latinesque labels such as cha-cha, mambo, tango, as well as the waltz and maybe some settings for rock or popular kinds of beats. There were also choices for the type of drum sound you could create, from snare to tom-tom to cymbal and clave or woodblock. In nearly every case, you could select the type of rhythm by pushing a button and then adjust the tempo to match your accompaniment. Beyond that, any additional features were considered gravy. So because we are all really familiar with drum machines, my role as the curator of the Archive of Electronic Music is to find some of the hidden experimental gems that you may not have heard before instrumental versions of popular songs, demo tracks, and simply wild explorations of drum machine programming, even with the simplest of devices. I hope these tracks demonstrate the extremes to which these devices could be used. We'll explore some of the historically important drum machines and sample their recordings, and then finish up the podcast with a longer set of tracks featuring drum machines of varied or even unknown origin. You can find a complete playlist for this program on the podcast website with all of the details I could muster about each track. Before we begin with the drum machines, I thought it would be informative to listen to an example of how organists had previously been accompanying themselves with percussion effects. It was all done by playing the sounds manually on the keys and pedals. Not a small feat, and certainly one that required a special acumen playing many parts at once. 
Here is an example from 1958, the heyday of the electronic theater organ. The record is by George Wright, and it's played on a five-manual Wurlitzer theater organ, otherwise known as the Mighty Wurlitzer. Using a combination of pedals and keys, he was able to manually create percussion sounds as he played the accompanying chords and melodies, which was the way it was done prior to the drum machine. You can detect the ever so slightly missed timings here and there, and the variety of sounds he could conjure from such pedals as bass, kettle, and field drums, cymbals, brush cymbals, and tap drums. Most of this was done with the feet. But on the keyboard, he had access to such voices as the snare drum, brush cymbal, tambourine, castanets, Chinese block, tom-tom, sand block, and various mallet instruments, all played without a program or sequencer. This was the common performance practice for such artists on the electrified theater organ in the 1950s.
Let's now hear the Chamberlain Rhythm Mate, one of the very first true drum machines. It was invented in 1949 and updated with several models up until around 1970. This was the brainchild of American inventor Harry Chamberlain and was a step in the evolution of the Chamberlain keyboard or Mellotron, the famous tape looping keyboard that was a fixture in many rock bands. The Mellotron's humble beginnings were in this box called the Rhythm Mate, which had a loudspeaker and was devoted to only playing tape recordings or loops of drum beats. It was not operated by a keyboard like the Mellotron, but had several buttons for choosing the desired rhythm accompaniment. What you are hearing in the background is a modern demonstration of a working rhythm mate by Dan Hicks. See the podcast website for a link to this video. I could not unearth a vintage recording of the Chamberlain Rhythm Mate, but the Roth Handel Studio in Sweden lends one out for recordings, such as this track made in 2006 by a group called Two Times the Trauma. The sound of the device is heard clearly beginning at 13 seconds into the track, and then repeats. Days 
same old show Different freaks, same old crowd Nothing new, seasons change Life goes on in the freak show Let's turn now to the products made by Wurlitzer, the Sideman and Swingin' Rhythm drum machines. The Sideman was first offered by Wurlitzer in 1959. Like the Chamberlain, the electronics were vacuum tube powered, but the sounds were created electronically rather than being pre-recorded on tape like the Rhythm Mate. These were electronic imitations of drum sounds that could be played in various rhythm patterns and speeds. The sounds were created by a single voltage controlled oscillator and included 10 drum tones. Bass drum, brush, claw bass, cymbal, maracas, temple block, temple block two, tom-tom one, tom-tom two, and wood block. It also had 12 patterns, including begin, bolero, cha-cha, foxtrot, two beat, Foxtrot 4-beat, March, Rumba, Samba, Shuffle, Tango, Waltz, and Western. Inside the Sideman was a rotating disc with metal contacts across its face to electrically sequence the various drum and sound patterns. What you are hearing in the background is a modern demonstration of a working Wurlitzer Sideman, again by Dan Hicks. See the podcast website for a link to this video. Finding a vintage recording with the Sideman is also a bit of a challenge. So what I have instead is a modern recording by LCD Sound System from 2010 that uses an authentic Sideman that is pretty clearly audible in the mix that also includes many vintage synths and effects. It opens the song and is heard throughout.
widely popular drum machine from Wurlitzer was the Swingin' Rhythm, sold from 1969 through 1975. This standalone box had settings for five rhythm patterns and five drum sounds. The drum sound buttons, designed like organ tabs that you press down, could also be played individually to manually add accents to rhythms. Let's listen to a track by Glenn Derringer using the Swingin' Rhythm. This is from 1968 and was part of an album promoting the Swingin' Rhythm. Thank you. 
Later in the program, we will also hear an example of the Wurlitzer Orbit III organ from 1971. This was a top-of-the-line home organ that was equipped with a monophonic synthesizer that could be played by a mini keyboard and also the pedals. But this instrument as well also had an integrated drum machine based on the swing and rhythm. This is Tom Holmes. You are listening to Drum Machines, a recorded history. For the remainder of the podcast, I will feature many tracks from the archives of analog drum machines. Please go to the podcast website to get all the details about each of these tracks. Here's a quick rundown of what you will hear. From Thomas Organ, Byron Melcher playing Spanish Flea in 1966. From Lowry Organ, Johnny Kem playing Taboo from 1970. From what I think is the swing and rhythm. It could also be a Seberg selector rhythm. We have a single from Robin Gibb in 1969 called Mother and Jack, which was a really early use of a drum machine in a pop song, like a popular pop song. Bruce Hack, an unknown drum machine, but it may have been something from Wurlitzer. Saint Basil from 1969. We have many different Roland drum machines represented by the following tracks. Michael Iceberg, Mexican Hat Dance from 1977. Mia Kralj, Apocalypsa from 1980, which is a Yugoslavian record. Gary Newman, Slow Car to China from 1981, which uses uh, a Roland CR-78. The Noise Brothers, Bite to Beat from 1980. The Comatines, Ghosts from Comatines. Here's a group whose unofficial fourth member was a Roland CompuRhythm CR78. The inner liner notes illustrate this. Joel Fagerman, Espace from 1981, which is a French recording. SPK, Amination Machine RG 1916 from 1981. Rudiger Lorenz, Out of the Past, from 1983, and then a whole collection of other analog drum machines in this order. Bob Hacker plays a Yamaha Electone D with a drum machine. The track is called Careless Hands from 1980. Arthur Brown and Kingdom Come, Time Captives from 1973. They were using a privately labeled drum machine from Roland that was called the Bentley drum machine in the UK. Then we have Kraftwerk Radioactivity from 1975. And then Schooly D, PSK, What Does It Mean? An instrumental version that I was able to get. And this track is interesting because it combines analog circuitry with the TR-909 rhythm composer that also included some digital sound samples for cymbals and hi-hat sounds. So you can hear how Schooly D takes advantage of this and really kind of messes with the rhythms. It's really fascinating. And then the final track will be Pixie Ninja, Leng Plateau from 2020, another recording made in the Roth Handel studio in Stockholm, which has several kinds of drum machines on it, including 
the Bandmaster Powerhouse drum machine, the Chamberlain Rhythm Mate, and an Electro Harmonix DRM-16. Here's one of the most popular sounds to come along in contemporary music, the sound of the Mexican Brass Ensemble. One instrument can recreate all the sounds of the Tijuana Brass, and that's the Thomas.
As we orbit the planet of singing mice, we can hear the cute little Greek cathedral children's mouse choir singing a song called Saint Basil. Thank you. 
trying to bring out the chick singer.
Let's work cosmic 
been listening to a recorded history of the analog drum machine on the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music. This is Tom Holmes. Tune in to a future episode for the recorded history of digital drum machines. Details about each of these works can be found on the playlist of the podcast website. If you would like to learn more about the history of electronic music, please read my book, Electronic and Experimental Music, published by Routledge. Thanks so much for listening. So long until next time from the Archive of Electronic Music. All of the music heard in this podcast, unless otherwise indicated, is brought to you from the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music, a curated collection of vintage recordings. For a complete playlist, go to theholmesarchive.podbean.com. All crackles, surface noise, and other imperfections heard in this podcast are purely intentional. All intro, outro, and other incidental music is by Tom Holmes, unless otherwise noted in the playlist. For notes about this episode, please see the blog Noise and Notations at tomholmes.com. So long from deep inside the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music. <laughs>